Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. February 9th of 2004, 21-year-old UMass student Maura Murray drove from her dorm in Amherst, Massachusetts to the White Mountains of New Hampshire. At approximately 7.27 p.m., Maura spun out her 1996 Saturn on a hairpin turn on Route 112 in North Haverhill. There has never been a credible sighting of Maura since. Maura is 5 foot 7 inches tall. She weighs 120 pounds, and she has brown hair and hazel eyes. If you have any information regarding Mora's disappearance, please submit it to us, the Murray family at Direct at gmail.com, or the New Hampshire State Police Cold Case Unit. This is Missing Mora Murray. Welcome back to Missing Maura Murray. I'm Tim, here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? Couldn't be better, Tim. Could not be better. How are you? You know, this is part two, and we're recording this intro right after we recorded the intro for part one, so I'm doing the same I was in the intro for part one. I'm doing slightly better. Okay, not much more to say here. Follow the links in the show notes. Check out the Prosecutors Podcast. Make sure to follow them and us on Twitter. Thanks a lot.
Maybe her existence at UMass was so mundane in a college that has uh, thousands of people. Maybe, maybe you know, someone says at one time, oh, well, Kate was her closest friend, but you're talking about it being relative. Like, Kate was her closest friend because she ran with her on the track team for a little bit. Maybe, maybe that's the case. Maybe there isn't something so, you know, eyes wide shut about everything. And her track, you know, her track time probably went down because she was smoking all those cigarettes, you know? I mean, who knows? Um, I mean, look, I mean, it's certainly the case more of she transferred into UMass. I'm sure that was a difficult situation. She, she transferred into the track team. I'm sure that was a difficult situation. And, and I don't know. I mean, I've heard people say that Maura was really happy at UMass, but then, you know, maybe the reason her room is packed up and I know people disagree to the extent it was packed up. Maybe she was thinking about leaving. I don't know. I don't know, but we would know more if there was anybody at UMass who seemed like they knew anything about Mora who could tell us these things. So I'll push back a little bit just from an investigative standpoint. You know, prosecutors, we work with law enforcement to investigate people. And typically, even if you are absolutely average, right middle of the pack, nothing extraordinary about you, which honestly is most people. That's why there's a bell curve. The majority of people fall into the, the middle mundane or average doesn't necessarily mean secretive. In fact, all of us live very public lives. You may not know it, but if you are being watched and someone is going to notice you, you may not know it, but maybe it's your garbage man who notices the way you always pull out your garbage can and is like, man, that's the one who always puts it in a place that I don't like. We're all being observed at all times. What I have found in the investigative world is it actually takes effort for people not to know about you. Right. And so being average, being mundane doesn't equate with being unnoticed, being unnoticed. In my experiences, you're taking steps to keep that life of yours. Quiet. So, and Brett can disagree with me. Go I, ahead. I, I, I personally uh, hear you on the uh, garbage. I, I hear you on the garbage man theory because I know my garbage man is very aware of my existence because I've been screwing up the garbage since I moved here. Uh, so that really hit close to home for me. But how do you differentiate between the, um, I mean, it's a fact that witness, like eyewitness uh, testimony and, and their statements are, are, are very unreliable. What's the difference between that? So if you, if your, if your argument is, or, or your stance is that you're always being watched. And I totally agree with that. Because I think people are just um, naturally observant. I think people love to watch other people. So where does it come? Like, where does the uh, separation happen? Where does the fallout happen when they're actually questioned about something in regards to a person that might have just been kind of um, mundane, but it was a, it was a person that they had observed, and then their memory fails. Where does that fallout happen? Well, I mean, number one, what should have happened in this case, and I have no idea if it happened because we don't have the the reports. The police should have canvassed UMass. They should have talked to every single person at UMass. They should have talked to the garbage people at UMass. They should have found out everything they could about Mora. Uh, that should have been the first thing they did. I have no idea if that happened or not. Um, but what you do in those situations when you're talking about, and, and if, if this isn't answering your question, you can stop me. When you're talking about how do you, how do you account for the mistakes that witnesses make and how do you know whether, a, whether an eyewitness account is, is reliable or not, the way you do that is you have to back up eyewitness testimony, direct evidence, as we call it, with circumstantial evidence. So just a couple examples in this case. Right. So my understanding, and I'm sure the chat room will correct me if I'm wrong, is that someone saw Maura leaving 
from her her dorm or, or whatever with a box of wine and possibly a bag full of beer cans, right? And we sort of argue about what the beer cans were, whether those were the ones she returned uh, and, and got like five bucks for or not. But say you have somebody who says, I saw Maura leaving with a box of wine. The box of wine's in her car, right? So you can use that circumstantial evidence to back that up. Then let's say you've got a bus driver who sees a girl at the side of the road that he thinks is Maura Murray in New Hampshire. Then you have the dogs come in and they track Maura Murray's scent 100 feet from the car. That circumstantial evidence backs up the eyewitness account of the bus driver that he actually did see Maura Murray there. So I think what you always have to do with these eyewitnesses is you have to attach circumstantial evidence to what they've seen. And that's one of the reasons the police don't give us everything. We talked about holdback evidence on our podcast a lot. They want to be able to compare what they know to what you're telling them to see whether or not those things line up. I just, I just, I just literally saw a light like that. That just made me see a light because I was wondering, you know, and, and it, you just, you just filled that gap between what Alice said and and what my question was and that's what i was that's exactly what i was asking is like what's the difference there when we say that eyewitness testimony or eyewitness statements are unreliable um observing someone no matter if they're mundane or not has nothing to do with what their statement is going to be later on and perhaps as alice said perhaps they feel bad because they've been observing this person and not really realizing anything about this person not really understanding this person just simply observing it and maybe they do feel bad and that's why they don't talk about it because man i was i was hanging out with this person i was running track with this person you know i i high-fived her at the end of you know each track meet and i was nothing more than just mildly fascinated by her and i never made it and maybe kate's feeling that way i never made any attempt to get to know her any more than just as someone who pops in and and has has a drink with me in my dorm and and we run track and i never made the the effort that's really interesting we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. I noticed the uh, the Twitter conversation has been uh, very, very active over the past couple of weeks. Anyone care to uh, discuss how that's going? Um, any any notable um, topics uh, that anyone wants to bring up? And let me just say really quick before we get started, I am. There are a lot of people who are in this chat room who deserve a box. Would someone like my box? I'll come back later, but I would like some additional thoughts on this. I'm going to leave this box. Someone should grab it. Wow, she, oh, there she you go. Failed. Box I, I actually, I said that I would leave my box. <laughs> she hasn't failed. <laughs> she failed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I will say this about the Twitter conversation. While someone from the Twitter conversation is trying to decide whether or not to grab the spot, um, I think the Twitter conversation is great. Uh, and, and, and I'll tell you why. There are people in that Twitter conversation, including oh, yeah, Braun, who just jumped it. in, who are new to this case. Hello. Hello, Braun, who are new to this case and, and are learning stuff for the first time and are trying to sort of figure things out. 
And I think that's absolutely great because as we've talked about before in cold cases, that's the way you reach some sort of conclusion. We've all been thinking about this case for a long time. We have our inherent biases. It's hard for us to see through those biases, but new people with fresh eyes might be able to see things in a fresh way. And so while I don't agree with everything that's been said on the Twitter uh, feed and I've made that clear on the Twitter feed. It is really good to have those views, and I think it does bring out. Well, welcome, Bron. How are you, Bron? Oh yeah, I'm absolutely exhausted today. Thanks. <laughs> what time is I've it? Been up tonight. Actually, I'm dealing with um, my Twitter having been uh, hacked. So that's right. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit about what happened. About Shall we? Uh, just uh, observe that there's been quite a bit of hacking going on and it's definitely related to the case and to, oh, excuse my dog there. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Tino. Yeah, while Bron's dealing with that, actually, I got an, I got an email from Twitter that said someone was trying yeah. to change my password. Yeah, so th- this was something that really, for us anyway, hit a fever pitch uh, maybe a couple of months ago and has really kind of calmed down as far as we knew. And really, it seemed like the vitriol in the community really kind of calmed down um, after, after like, I would say a few weeks ago after it, like, again, hit that fever pitch. And then it we, things were kind of cool for a little while. And then this, uh, some hacking seems to be, uh, have, have happened. So, so Bron, yeah, tell us a little bit more about, um, about your experience in that Twitter thread. What happened? Look, um, I found it to be absolutely fantastic. I think it's just been, it's been wonderful. Um, and I think Brett would agree, wouldn't you, Brett? It's been just so great to interact with so many people with different views and, um, yeah, we don't all agree and there are times that Brett and I agree and Brett and I disagree and it was really funny. We actually said, yeah, we respect each other and at the end of the day, you know, we're friendly and it doesn't really matter if we agree or we disagree, we respect each other. And that's what I'd like to, that's what I'd like our conversations to be like is there doesn't need to be hacking. There doesn't need to be um asking people to or actually demanding people to leave the case or else I'll reveal your personal details or I'll report you to the police or um why what what are we hitting on that's actually harmful because that's what it's making it look like so call me a conspiratorial um, person and do you know what's really funny is I think I'm actually um I'm feeling really hurt, actually, that people are calling me a conspiracy theorist because I am the furthest from conspiracy theory you could ever get. I am solid evidence. And that's why, in this case, I have to question it because there's no evidence. Yeah, I think it's fair to question. Again, I mean, things were pretty calm there for a while. There wasn't any crazy hacking going on, and then things started getting a little um, upset. You know, things started being uh, a little contentious again, and then this hacking bullshit started up again. And you're right. You're absolutely right. It does feel it does feel like we're pushing in the right direction, or the community is pushing in the right direction when people are throwing fits and hacking and all this stupid shit. So, yeah, absolutely. And what I would say to people is if you're going to hack and you're going to threaten, it just encourages people to go that direction. Um, Either we're on the right track or we're on the wrong track, you know, but whatever it is, it's actually very distracting. So 
I've actually, the reason I'm so tired is I've been consulting with IT experts for how we can actually um, up our security individually so that we can avoid being hacked and avoid these issues so that we can stay safe individually and actually have these conversations without um, compromising our personal details. Because I think it's really important that we're able to have these conversations. No, I agree hundred percent. I don't really understand. I don't understand why people, I, I just don't get it. I, I don't really understand why people get angry. I don't understand why people hack other people. I don't understand why people try and shut no, down horrible. various, various routes of inquiry. I mean, the thing is, so one sort of deficit that Alice and I have is, is we look at this through the lens of sort of our jobs and our experience and the way we do things. Right. And I think that's a good thing to the extent that it maybe brings a different view. However, one of the things that we're trying to do and one of the things the police are always trying to do is eliminate possibilities because we have limited time and limited resources. And the great thing about yeah. this community is we don't have limited resources. We have unlimited resources. So yeah. if somebody wants to spend all their time thinking about whether or not Mara ever even left Massachusetts or whether, you know, the Saturn was ever even in yeah. Massachusetts or whatever, go for it. Right. Like then it's actually incredibly valuable to the investigation, to be honest. Because what it does is it brings, it brings that part of the investigation to, um, to its closure, whereas you wouldn't normally be able to do that. As a whole community, we can. And that's what I see the value in not shutting down parts of the conversation. If we actually keep all the bits of the conversation open, people can investigate all the different avenues and we can actually get really rich data, really rich information and be able to say, oh, look, I don't think there is anything there. And we can say that with certainty because we've actually investigated really deeply. Well, I mean, I think it's worth a shot. You're, what you're bringing to the table is great. I, I think, you know, you, you said you could be wrong or you could be right. The thing is, is, you know, it's gone so long without an answer. And a lot of people have invested a lot of their lives in this. And and these people aren't related to the Murrays. They're not related to uh, Mora. And like yourself, you're you are in another country. You're it's probably like Saturday where you are right now. I have no idea how far away you are. Uh, but <laughs> no, it's it's, it's Friday, almost midday almost Friday. Midday. We're, we're we're time traveling right now. But this is affecting somebody in an area where it's Friday already, and she's not related to Mora. I think it's important, and I think that there's a, just a small, very uh, loud and aggressive group of people that try to take down, for whatever reason, uh, people like yourself, um, you know, and, and question, uh, question like uh, uh, Jamie Cook, the crime talker, and then try to call him out and say that he's, you know, he's actually somebody else. That that moment was so mind blowing to me because it was so wrong. And how many times has that happened where somebody didn't come forward and say, here's the proof of life. It's not me. Somebody was probably like, I'm out of here. And who knows? They might have had great, great input. But but all it takes is just somebody to say, no, I'm confident. And I've said this a thousand times and I'm sick of myself saying it. But someone just literally said, no, I'm confident this is not you. I'm looking at the IP address. It's not you. Just made it up and put it out there for people to consume. How many times has that happened? Yep. The reason, um, can I just say that I was, I only got a VPN 10 days ago 
And I often don't turn it on because it makes my internet slow. When I was hacked on Twitter, I happened to have my VPN on. Lucky. That's <laughs> now, good. Yeah. So it does didn't hap- didn't help you with uh, actually like preventing you from being hacked. Just throws your location, right? Okay. So for everyone who thinks they're safe because they're using a VPN, they're not. So that, and this is the sort of thing that I that I consulted the IT expert on, um, and I'm happy to write out yeah, which sort of things expert? that he suggested. But wh- wh- I'm who, a bit who, which IT expert, expert, if you don't mind? Pardon? Someone that you know? Someone in the community? Uh, someone here. Okay, you got to be careful about yeah. that too. Is yep. someone in the Moore Murray community? No. Oh, okay, okay, good. Because I started to get odd messages about my Chrome browser and wanting me to click to um, reinstall Chrome while I was using Chrome. And that's when I got very suspicious. So um, at that point, I closed everything down and made lots of inquiries. The reason there is so much of this, oh, are you this person and are you that person and are you that person is because people do use different usernames across the different platforms and there are dummy accounts set up. So can I suggest to people that the first thing you do when you go to follow an account and um, to be honest, you podcasters need to be doing this too because one of the... um, Actually, three, four of the dummy accounts that I blocked last night. Um, Brett, I think you were following them. So you need to go through your follower list and just have a look, or Brett or Alice, one of you, and check how many people are following them. If there's only three people and they're all from exactly the same group and that person has only just joined Twitter, have a think about whether that might be someone else's account for a dummy account because it was really obvious, like really obvious. I saw some of those tweets. So you got followed by 150 people immediately by dummy accounts from from other countries or maybe not dummy accounts, but. Well, what happens is, and then it triggers Twitter to um, shut down your account. So then you become an inactive Twitter account. Now for me, um, Maura Murray is actually not my primary account, is not my primary case. And so I'm getting really emotional now. Um, I actually advocate for other people who have really, really big needs. Now, if my Twitter account gets hacked and gets taken down, all of my tweets about those people, about those cases, get lost. All of my history about that, lost and my profile my followers everything to do with that gets lost now two days ago we've just had the death of a major youtuber in the Stephen Avery case and that's had a massive impact on our community there and that's my main case but um, I also support Amanda um, with DJ and I support another another person who's in a very similar situation and I've just taken on a wrongful conviction case where we're um, investigating the original case for the wrongful conviction unit. All right, good. Yeah, and and hacking is a bunch of bullshit. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, okay to disagree. It's okay to talk about a case online. Um, yeah, 
it's okay, Bron. Thank you so much for being in this community and and being yourself and and showing showing your your face here on this live video. I think that's that speaks volumes. And I want to start yeah, a new thread, but we'll um the first thing I want to do actually up the top is just to vote on what topic people want to talk that's about, great. and then just try to keep it focused on a topic because I think that might be the way to kind of um, keep it a bit focused. And then the next time we'll have another vote. And we'll just start new threads, Great. you know, every couple of days, maybe. Yeah. Just try to keep it a bit fresh. I don't know. That was just one idea I had. If anyone's Great. got any ideas, throw yeah. them out there. And that's yeah, what I've been saying. Them. I mean, the, the, the more ideas we have from the more people and the more people looking at it, yeah. the and more likely we're to actually reach some sort of conclusion. I, I just I just want to address a couple of questions because I, I want to make sure people know that we're reading the questions and we're coming up on the end. Um, I did say if anybody wants to take my spot, they're totally, um, I'm totally happy to drop my spot. Um, oh, thank you, Brian. You didn't have to drop your spot. Um, but, uh, William up here said, if some random online can bully a random stranger into silence unrelated to the case, how difficult is it to comprehend how some random can bully someone who knew Mora into silence? I, no one ever said it's not difficult to comprehend at all. I, I think, um, I don't want to be confused. I don't want to be confusing when I when I'm talking about this. I'm not talking. I'm, it's, it's independent conversations that it's independent points I'm trying to make. And sometimes a hypothetical point I mean is a hypothetical point just to just to generate conversation. I'm not actually saying something is uh, specific. So it's no, it, it's not right. It's not right that a random person can bully another random person uh, and any uh any any situation that I was talking about wasn't specific to 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 uh, to that particular uh, I guess example William was talking about. It's not difficult to comprehend that. Let me just say one more thing. If there's anybody out there who's listening to this and you don't want to be a part of all this craziness, but you have something to share, you know, you can talk to the New Hampshire State Police. You can email us. You can talk to Tim and Lance. You know, your your privacy will be protected. If you have any information, don't. This has been going on too long. And, and yeah, to follow up, to answer that, uh, if Kate has been bullied by someone, it would explain why she's silent. I, I guess. I don't know. If Kate was bullied by someone and that caused her to be silent, that's not a good thing. I, I don't. I, 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 yes, that, that makes sense to me. Well, that, would, that would have to be some kind of threat uh, to, uh, to extend 16 years, I would, I would feel like, though. That's not just straight bullying um, from 2004 or, or whatever, you know. Yeah. And I, I wasn't like I, my my example of of Kate not remembering Mora because she lived a mundane life and she felt bad was just connecting the conversation points that we were we were having during this particular uh, discussion. I wasn't saying this is what I believe and maybe I should preface everything I say with this is not what I actually believe. I mean, maybe I, I don't mind doing that, you know, like this is that is not what I actually believe. I don't know. So I'm just trying to float out scenarios to prosecutors who have, have a lot more experience in this. Well, it is uh, it is 10 o'clock. It's the witching hour. So uh, we're going to have to end this pretty soon. Um, I do want to ask a question here that we don't talk about uh, often at all. And uh, and I don't know why. It's another one of those things that no one brings up. Um, we have phone records we have morris phone records we have bill roush's phone records what we don't have though so those, so those are calls but we what we don't have is text messages were they texting and why does no one ever talk about text messages from that point of time because text messages were a thing back then 
35 per month, uh, a cell phone account averaged in 2004. Text messages. Yeah. See, that I was just about to say, I don't know if people actually texted back then because you had to pay for them. But it and you know, like to this did. day, <laughs> when you do search warrants for phones, it's really interesting because calls you always get, but depending on the service and their retention records for text messages varies greatly. So even to this day, text messages are kind of a wonky thing to get um, via search warrant, whereas phone calls, because they ping cell towers that are independent, um, you always have a record of that. So I, I don't know what to say, except that it seems to be an issue even today. And Bron made a good point that there's the dorm phone too. You know, she would have had a dorm phone. And people, people forget about that because we don't have landlines now, right? But I had a landline in 2003 when I was in a dorm. And it would be interesting to know, I mean, look, not saying she was cheating on her boyfriend, but if she was cheating on her boyfriend, she probably wasn't calling the other person on the cell phone that she shared with her boyfriend. She was probably calling him on the te- on the uh, the landline. So I think that's an interesting question as well. I, I, well, I want to bring one other thing up here. Um, the this uh, sexual assault um, investigation that that was going on at West Point right around the time that Mora went missing. And I think it's I think it's really interesting because I know we talk about Patrice Vassi, we talk about maybe something happened that night, maybe Mora, uh, you know, hooked up with someone, cheated on Bill. God knows, maybe maybe Bill and Mora even broke up um, one of those nights. I mean, you could look at the phone records and say there there could have been a uh, a hang up there and then a callback. But what another thing we don't talk about a lot is those West that West Point investigation and what if that was something that Mora was ensnared in and she had been assaulted and was going to have to discuss this at some point. When we talked about her friends, another thing that I've never heard, I've never heard any friends of hers from West Point, right? Um, talk about her time at West Point and talk about that. I mean, look, it's complete speculation what you're saying, but I mean, if you just want to follow that trail, if something happened to Mora at West Point, you could sort of imagine that being based on what her parents or what her father has said and her, and her sister has said and everything. I mean, it seems like Mora is this perfect person in high school and everything's great. And then she goes to West Point and at some point she's absolutely miserable in West Point, right? Now, maybe that's just because she didn't like West Point. Totally possible. I could, they would kill me. I would just die. I wouldn't even make it through like a week. Right. I totally understand that, but maybe something did happen and maybe that's why she, you know, did the, did the thing where she stole the, stole the, the, the makeup or whatever. And maybe that was a big inflection point. And, and who knows if that did happen and she, she left West Point to get away from it. Then maybe if she was assaulted on the Saturday night or whatever, I mean, like I said, this is all speculation, but you can, you can easily construct sort of, a, a road, a path that takes you exactly where, where you're suggesting. And once again, I just think we need, we need more people who knew more at the time to talk about her and to talk about her life and what she was going through and what that secret life consisted of. And I will of, point out that I find about. the fact that there's silence coming from West Point even more confusing than UMass. UMass, I can almost understand. She was a transfer. She was injured, not running, you know, the semester um, uh, uh, on the track team. But West Point, not only does she have her own network, she has her sister's network, right? Um, and so there's kind of two groups of people that should know her. And um, as far as we can tell, Julie seem to really like West Point flourish there, do well, probably had friends. Uh, and if you have a friend there, you may know their sister. And it seems strange to me that with all those networks at West Point, we don't know anything. I also think it's a little weird just looking at the timing. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but we do have to get out of here pretty soon. Um, but I'm pretty sure that Mora left um, West Point with the 
her boyfriend at the time, Bill, I think he had a semester to go before he graduated. She she left mid-year, and he had a semester to go before graduating. So you guys probably know this better than I do, or Falk can step in if he knows this. My I thought that she was leaving West Point at the end of the two years because that was the commitment time. At that point, you have to commit or you know leave. But that her transfer to UMass had not gone through, and so she was sort of stuck at West Point for a little while while the transfer was working it out. And so maybe um, that's that's why it seems like she left mid semester. But like I said, somebody who knows the the timeline a little bit better than me can probably correct that. Yeah, we'd have to take a take another look at that, take a deeper look at that. I'm not 100 percent sure, but uh, it just seemed a little weird to me um, with the timing after you know looking back at some of this stuff. There was a uh, comment here that I'm scrolling through. I can't seem to find it, but yeah, William said uh, Robin Christine McDonald knew more at West Point. You should ask them. I think he's uh, they were involved in the search. I think he's referring to Mora's uh, change in demeanor. I guess Brett that you had mentioned. Um, yeah, we would love to talk to them. This is this is the point of talking like this is to bring up people like this. I'm surprised that that name is coming up right now as someone that we should talk to. Um, and and maybe we can get the uh, contact information for it. We, we're certainly not detectives. We don't have um, the resources to look up. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's easy to find an email address, but there's no reason why Tim and I would think to even reach out to somebody like that. You know what I mean? So if they are people to reach out to like that, we'd love to. We'd absolutely love to. Here's the thing. If you had known somebody and they disappeared and it became this huge mystery, I mean, you would still talk about them to this day, right? You'd still talk about, yeah, you remember that girl we knew at West Point and, and she was really sweet and then she vanished in the thin air, right? I mean, these people remember her. They, there, there are hundreds of people out there who remember Mora before she went missing who have never talked about this, who have never spoken in this case. And if we could talk to those people, maybe we wouldn't learn anything. But I think knowing a little bit more about her and what she was going through, going to what Tim said, I mean, what's going on at West Point, what's going on at UMass, all that would be so valuable. I mean, if, if this is a grand conspiracy in the military and, and Massachusetts and UMass to murder more Murray, I mean, this is a huge, this is a bigger story than we all thought. I know. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm at a, uh, I'm at a loss. I mean. I, I understand that that Kate's name. Uh, I understand her family. James Renner wrote about it. Like that, it's not right what he did. Like he he does do that. We've always said that that he flies. You know, he he flies too close to the sun at times. Sometimes right into the sun. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. So I, I mean, I get it. She didn't come. She came out. She she hasn't come out because her family was attacked by James Renner. I I get that. And Brett, you're saying, you know, someone you knew went missing. You would say you would always talk about it. You'd say, what about this person that went missing? So where's the balance there? Like, I don't want to talk about the, my my missing friend because someone might attack my family, or I just stay silent so that everyone can just sit there and like work themselves into a frenzy. And I'll just say this about you know, if anybody's ever worked with the press, good journalists are jerks. I mean, they are that. There are not nice, friendly people who, who are reporting. Mean, I hate to say that. That's probably not. That's a little too too far, right? But most reporters are jerks. They're really persistent. They're really annoying. And that's how they get the information they get. And so, yeah, I get it. James Renner is a jerk. You know, I think James Renner would tell you he's a jerk. Um, but I don't, I just, I just don't think we can say that James Renner is the reason. Very convenient uh, for people to say that, I would say. Hey, I love James Renner. You guys, you guys need to lay off. I'm not, I'm not attacking James Renner. I'm telling you, James Renner would tell you that he's a bulldog. That's how he gets the stories he gets. He goes to people's houses that he thinks murdered people and knocks on the door. You don't like the term jerk. We'll say persistent. 
Lawyers are persistent. Investigators yeah, are persistent. Is. Journalists are persistent. <laughs> we unfortunately know too much about that. Uh, well, this I mean, has I, been I, I, a roller coaster. Go ahead. It's been a roller coaster. <laughs> Hey, uh, folks, stop. I promised, uh, you know, if, if you said that you wanted to come on, I would have I would have popped off. I promise I would have. Well, there's there's plenty of time. Uh, we do this every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and we're already about 12 minutes over time tonight. So um, we will be back again soon uh, next week, in fact, and maybe uh, maybe <laughs> midweek. Who knows? But uh, but thank you, everybody in the chat room for joining and thank you so much to brett and alice from the prosecutors podcast for joining us here tonight this has been a great conversation and the conversation we had on the air was great and so we wish you the best of luck with your podcast and we need to have you back on because we feel these conversations are very valuable Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.